Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Is it okay to be with a partner that you don't feel infatuated with? Uh, define infatuation. Well, I can't. I didn't ask the question. <laughs> well, what, what's your <laughs> definition of infatuation? Because to me, infatuation sounds um, honeymoon. It sounds kind of like early stages. I don't know. Is, is infatuation sustainable? Is it something that um, can happen throughout the relationship? Um, well, I actually would... I hate to be like a Debbie Downer, but I don't think that infatuation does last an entire relationship. I mean, you're going to be attracted and you're going to have moments, but I, I don't, I don't think in, the idea of infatuation, that is a very, very strong word to me. Well, uh, you know what I like? I like that, uh, cause infatuation sounds like high school to me. I like that. Okay. That may not last for the duration of the relationship, but, um, I think infatuation grows up. I think there's um, this, like, if infatuation was a cocoon, as you build your relationship, a butterfly appears. Hmm. And so instead of just infatuation, which to me sounds very young. um, Sort of like very grabby, like lose yourself in each other. It also feels surfacey. Yeah, it feels temporary. Uh, I I think that um, the butterfly, the evolution of infatuation is... What is it, Vanessa? Respect, appreciation, yeah. admiration. Yeah, it's things that um, may not be as shiny, um, but are more sustainable, more meaningful, uh, you know, all of that. All right, next question. Um, ooh, it's funny. I was just talking about this in my codependency class that I was just teaching five minutes ago. Your take on if he wanted to, he would. By the way, um, Vanessa has a codependency um, course, uh, video course coming out, and it has tons of content. So watch out for that. It's like hours, right? Hours. Yeah. So anyway, long. Yeah. Um, repeat the question. So what's your take on this? If he wanted to, he would. Ooh. If, if he wanted to, he would. Yeah. Um, can we pause for a second? And can I just say something while it's on my mind? Um, I do a lot of bird walking. Everyone knows that. It's okay. Uh, I realized that because uh, I struggle with patience, uh, I had a stomach ache this morning and I thought I've come a long way and I realized that I have snapped back because I wasn't patient enough for the Alka-Seltzer to completely dissolve all of what, 60 seconds. So I started drinking it midway and the tablet of the Alka-Seltzer went down my throat and I hear that Alka-Seltzer tablets can make pigeons explode. And it scared me because I thought my stomach was so going to explode. It's really fucking weird bird walk. It's not a weird bird walk. It's life. We put bookmarks and we come back. Don't worry about it. And so um, I had this moment of like, am I a child? Did I not grow? But I want to remind you as well as myself that we do snap back. It doesn't mean that you have regressed. It just means there are moments, and then you're aware of them, and then you move on. Okay, so. This is my life, you guys. When the person says. What's your take on if he wanted to, he would? I think it's loaded. I think it's unfair. I think assuming someone would 
a, a, assumption, assuming that someone would if he really wanted to, or if she really wanted to, um, and without giving someone um, communication, direction, expression, uh, is unfair. What do you think? Um, I'm conflicted because part of me feels like, yeah, if he wanted to, he would. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also can be applied to a lot of things. So I was just speaking in my codependency class about the um, how common I hear some variation of this term. If they loved me more, they'd quit drinking. If if right, I right. if if you know if I only did this, then they would stop doing this. If I did this better, if I was more lovable, if I was this right, right? there's always an if then. Yeah. <clears throat> and we were having a conversation around why that placing yourself in kind of a victim stance can be so detrimental in a relationship, right? Because then you take all the ownership onto yourself, um, rather than actually saying that this person is a human being with free choice and free will. Um, they are going to choose what they want to choose. They're going to show up and act how they want to show up. Now you are responsible for communicating, which is what you're saying. Um, communicating a need, communicating, you know, when you don't, when you don't talk, you know, when you don't text me back for a day, it feels like you don't want to be with me or whatever the communication is. That is your responsibility. But from that place forward, it then is their responsibility, right? It's a 50, 50 in a relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, if you say, if my partner doesn't have sex with me, you know, three times a week or doesn't have sex with me in this way, then it means, um, that she's less attracted to me, Mm. right? Something like that. And again, that's unfair. Uh, that's in your head. That's not truth. You know, it's speculation. A lot of why your partner may not be intimate may have to do with her and her journey or his and his journey and not you. And so whenever I hear this, like, well, you know, if um, if they really wanted something or if they, you know, uh, really loved me, they would do that. It just sounds uh, loaded. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Next question. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Sorry. Guys. We do have a topic, too, which uh, we will try to tackle. Um as well. So, uh, since, uh, this is when Vanessa and I get together, I try to maximize our time, uh, because we are also parents. And so we've got a, a few different cameras rolling. Um, uh, and we've got, a, a, a we're answering questions. We're doing a live and it's we're a doing happening. a podcast and we have a baby sleeping. Yes. Yeah, so there's a ticking clock and we're killing a lot of birds. And so, um, how to get over the constant... wait i'm not done <laughs> so it, we try to make these a little bit longer okay go ahead how to get over the constant disappointment in dating oh this is a good one this is your, especially this is your cup of tea yeah especially today with um the uh, toxic swipe culture let me ask you v when you were single because uh, you didn't use dating apps a lot no I used them for like a couple months and I was like, meh, I'm over it. Were you, were you, um, did you have a lot of disappointment, um, while you were dating? Um, obviously besides, uh, our collision. (laughs) Besides with you. (laughs) Um, well, I was dating pre dating apps, but yeah, I mean, sure. I, um, not relationships, just like dating. Yeah. I was single and dating for six years in between two of my big relationships and then two years in between my last relationship and you. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that it's actually human nature for us to like get our hopes up for us to, um, for us to actually date with a lot of projections. So 
going into anything, looking Mm -hmm. at them through the lens of like what you want them to be or what you hope they'll be versus who they really are, what they're actually showing you. And it's common and also something we really need to pay attention to. Um, you know, I've had a lot of conversations about dating with my friends who are very introverted. And I do think it's different for us because I'm very extroverted. So dating was never that hard for me because I actually just really enjoy meeting people, having conversations, meeting new people, you know, acquiring relationships. Like that to me is fun. FOMO, JOMO. Yeah, exactly. And so that... Fear of missing out, joy of missing out. I can definitely empathize with like the more introverted side of this, which is like, it's like pulling teeth of having to like sit and do the whole like, so, you know, where were you raised? Like, what what do you do for a living? Those kind of conversations. Um, But I just look at it as like, it's all field research. It's like, you're just meeting new people, having new experiences, adding to like your repertoire of relationships. Um, I don't know. I tried to, I tried to change it to like just being fun. Yeah. Exploration. Yeah. So that was um, the answer in a wine glass, which is Vanessa. And so here, let me give it to you in a shot glass. Um, one isn't better than the other. Sometimes you want shots and sometimes you want the wine, right? Okay. When it comes to dating, disappointment comes from one expectation and two false advertising. So you're dis- disappointed because you're expecting. So instead of just wanting to hear a story or meet someone that could possibly be a friend, you are pointing your love crossbow at this person and, um, expectation. yeah, you're expecting, you know, expecting to meet quote unquote the one. And I think this is why the one is so dangerous. It's a concept that's made by society and it puts a lot of pressure. Is this person the one? Hey, I fell for it because when I first met Vanessa, some of my ambivalence and struggle was, okay, am I going to spend the rest of my life with this person? Mm. Oh my God, I have to be sure, right? And this is also in our book. Our start was rocky because of me falling into the trap of wondering if Vanessa was the one, right? So I think the one is dangerous. And so whenever we are dating, we consciously or subconsciously go into it with a checklist wondering, oh my God, is this the person? Is this the one? Is this my, you know, my wife, my partner, life partner, whatever? Um, and I think that is a high expectation. The greater the expectation, the greater the cliff that you're going to fall off of. So that's one. Number two, because of the dating landscape, because of apps and filters and a lot of um, pictures that are not true, um, there's a lot of false advertising. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of catfishing. And so because of that, uh, we're disappointed left or left and right. You know, and so I would say if you're dating, um, try to have uh, uh, as, as try to not have expectations. I know it's hard. Try to not have expectations, and two, um, present yourself in an honest way. Uh, I played with the apps for a while before getting into this relationship. I remember swiping on someone that looked like Drew Barrymore and Drew Carey showed up. And it wasn't an exaggeration. It was so, it, she was so far from the photos that um, I, I didn't recognize her. And I was stunned. And uh, I bought her dinner anyway. And we had, you, you make the choice to just kind of go with it. Um, but I, inside, I was like, would, do you want someone to instantly be <laughs> disappointed? Um, because you're not presenting yourself in an accurate way or would you rather show up and a person be pleasantly surprised right so i just think that is such an indication though of how much our society puts like this is this is partly what's wrong with dating apps and i'm not saying dating apps are bad i mean they're nowadays like almost the best way to meet people but yeah it's um, common language now well not just common language i just think it's like yeah it's like our vernacular it's how we interact in the world and it just makes sense but 
um, I don't know. I, that it's like, I still think that, and you kind of said you did this, but even in that disappointment, there's still an opportunity, I guess, to like meet somebody and, and, and create some kind of connection with that person, even if that connection's not going to be based on physical attractive attraction, right? Your makeup and hair looks amazing today. Oh, thank you. Look at your eyes. I mean, part of it is like... I do want to say, though, I just, I'm not, re- I'm not really able to read the comments in the, in the live, but I did, something happened to Catch My Eye where somebody said it's different when you're a parent, and I actually disagree with that. Um, Dating? As, yeah. Dating is different? Like, what, what we're saying about going into it with, you know, like how I said, like, I yeah. look at it as being well, fun. I actually disagree with that, and, and here's why. Yes, there's going to be more pressure. Yeah. 100%. I'm not minimizing that. Yes, there's more of like... Um, you got other people to factor into this equation of whether you like somebody or not. So clearly pressure, right? But I still think the act of dating can still be looked at as the same thing that we're talking about. Like attempting your best to not have high expectations, yep. attempting your best to just look at it as like field research. Like you're just meeting other humans and deciding like, oh, I kind of like this aspect about this person. I kind of don't yeah, like this aspect. Um, I think the reason why the person's saying this is because they're saying, um, whoever I date, I have to be picky because of because of my child. Yeah, and right? I, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. There's more pressure. I'm yeah. saying I agree with that, but I still don't think the process of dating is necessary. Like this idea of disappointments, I don't think it's any different personally. Yeah, and <laughs> at the end of the day, um, if you put that kind of pressure on yourself while mm-hmm. you're dating, like is this person going to be a good father or mother? Like that kind of pressure. Again, you're setting yourself up for um, disappointment. You know, you're putting someone through a very tight strainer. Yeah. Okay. One more question. One more. Yeah. Boyfriend asked me to move in after two months. Too soon? Oh, I... Uh, how... When did we move in together? Nine months. Oh. Yeah. I moved in with my ex after six, and that was too soon. Vanessa knocked on my door when I was living alone in the middle of the night with her suitcases already packed. Hanging our relationship over our head, saying that I can't sleep without you. I would have lived alone forever. I by would the way. rather happily. <laughs> I would rather save mo- rent money. Let's move in together and build something. And I said, Vanessa, it's four a.m. So here's As what the I think. Anxious in the relationship. Okay. That sounds like something more like you would do. That is true. Uh, here's what I think. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put like time stamps on things and judge them. You know, I think every relationship is different. Um, I do think two two months is very quick. Mm-hmm. You know, when you move in together, it's a very different experience. You see things in that person that that you wouldn't um, normally see. I mean, living together is a very big deal. Just expect a cold shower. Just expect to see. It's going to be a cold shower if you move in after a year. It's especially going to be right, a cold shower right. after two months because yeah. you're really still in the honeymoon phase two months in. My answer is a question, and that's what's the rush? Yeah. What's the rush? I was in a situation, I got to say, um, in a relationship where um, we moved in because uh, her apartment had yeah, had um, bed bugs. And so she was on her way out anyway. I happened to buy a condo. Yeah. The timing of it was like, oh, it just makes sense to just move in. Um so, so there are situations and there are circumstances, you know, it doesn't make it like... I think uh, when you live in a big city like we do, or like when I was in New York, that's what happened with my ex and I, right. that kind of stuff, the forced merge is way more yeah. common because, yeah. you know, moving is really expensive and apartments are really expensive and nobody really lives alone, so... But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's a test. So, you know, if you're ready and your partner is ready for it and you're ready to see... The uh, coffee grinds all over the counter and the dirty socks on the floor and the toothpaste 
Toothpaste? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a lisp. I, I've never had a lisp in my life. And now it's, this moment. it's so weird. I have a lisp. I'm um, drinking alcohol or tablets too soon. The toothpaste cap. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed this episode and you want to engage with Vanessa and I directly, we're running our second ever couples retreat in Idlewild, California, September 9th weekend. And we're going to cover everything from... You almost said first. You almost said it was our first retreat. I saw you. And then you corrected yourself. You're wasting valuable (laughs) ad space time by correcting me. So as you can see, we still are working on our own issues. Uh, Codependency. Recovering from codependent behaviors within our relationships, which everybody struggles with, everybody. Attachment styles. Overfunctioning and underfunctioning and how that damages relationships. Love languages. Keeping the spark alive, so maintaining eros and desire. Loving without your past and a lot of concepts. Without fighting, that's a good one. A lot of uh, concepts from our book, It's Not Me, It's You. So just uh, go to my Instagram and tap my bio link. We're only taking 11 couples. So if you're in- into this, I would um, try to reserve a seat as soon as you can. At The Angry Therapist, hit my bio link and you will see it there. And we will see you in the woods. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> it's one of the pet peeves that people have is that uh, we, uh, many people, I guess me, I should say I, I don't put the tooth- toothpaste cap on. And so it's, okay. Uh, so just be prepared for that. And, and you know, it, it's a good test because if you could actually live together and it is good, you know, and that partnership works, then that's a huge sign. That's a great mm-hmm. sign. Mm-hmm. It's actually one of the, my green flags with you. Mm. I think we do very well um, co-habitating. I, I can say my own words. I know. It takes me a while. Cohabitating. I have a master's degree. I'm an author. You're smart. Oh, thank you. <laughs> hey, uh, let's show the audience your beautiful tattoo, because last time she it was fresh, and she didn't want to show anyone because she had a, 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 a plastic wrap Oh, my latest. It. Yeah, check it out. It's, it's a, on your side. It's a butterfly. It's very delicate, and um, it's cool. I like it. Okay, do you want to answer a question? Let's let's do something really, really exciting. 208 people in our life. Let's answer a question here. Okay, and then I need to check. Yes. Okay, one question. Um, she showed it to me first. <laughs> awesome. If you have a question in the in the uh, in the live chat, somebody keeps writing the same thing over and over and over again, yeah, which I, I noticed something. Yeah. No, it's something about parental alienation. But I'm just going to say to this Please person is that I genuinely don't know what that is, so I can't answer something I don't know. I'm going to have to research it before I do. Yeah, it sounds interesting. It sounds heavy. Mm-hmm. Per- parental alienation. If you're talking about like um, parental, uh, what is it? What are we? What's our struggle? Um. A preference, parental preference, that we're really oh, in the yeah. throes of. That yeah. shit is fucking hard. Um, Logan doesn't know I exist yet. <sighs> Let's give it a couple more years. Anyway, all right, no questions. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll continue to um, keep asking, answering your questions. Hey, we got a question here. What if your spouse doesn't know, depending on the week, if they want to be married or not? Ooh. Ooh. Ah, man. I Well... 
I wouldn't jump to conclusions. I would, um, I would actually get into therapy. I would have oh, yeah. a mediator. Um, someone may not want to be married on the surface, but it turns out it's um, something else happening underneath. And then that person may resolve that and realize, oh, I actually do want to be married. There's um, stuff coming up from my story, my past, you know, because uh, so, it's obviously very easy to take it personally. So um, before jumping to conclusions, I would explore that. And, and it's very hard to have conversations like this with just you and your partner. It doesn't matter if you guys don't fight or how well you communicate. Having a therapist, having a neutral party is huge. Hey, wanted to share with you something I'm super excited about. If you go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium, you not only get commercial-free episodes, but also something I'm introducing called series, rotating wellness topics, but not only lessons, but what do we do with this information? How do we thread this into our life so we could change our life? Go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium. And I will say, as the person that's been on the receiving end of um, ambivalence... I love you, get away. It can feel very unsafe, and it can feel very unsettling, and it's impossible for you to show up in your fullest, you know, intimate capacity when you feel like the rug can get pulled out from underneath you at any yeah. moment. So I want to validate that that's really hard, and actually... If you haven't already, that specifically is what you should be communicating to your partner um, around their ambivalence is is the, the hard, yeah, the hurt that I just yeah. said. And let me open a giant bag before we leave and just kind of keep it open because it's a bigger conversation. But also, why, why ask yourself why marriage is important to you. Mm, like, like, What does marriage mean? Yeah, is it important to you because you genuinely want to get married to this person? Do you feel like there's a ticking clock? Are there parents? They're already married, no. In that relationship. Oh, okay. They're already married. They Never want mind. to be married or not. Is yes, yes. All right. Thank you for listening to all.